Hello there, my name is Miriam Thiel-Alwitz and you're listening to Animal Wisdom Stories, the show about inspiring stories from and about your soul animals. And I would like to thank Paul Luftenegger for the lovely music. If you don't know him, go and check his music out. It is really heavenly. Um, like every show, I have an animal wisdom message today. And today I have a, mes a message from Pan. Pan is a sheep and not just any ordinary sheep. He is a sheep. He's a Jacob, Jacob's sheep from the Middle East, I just learned. And he's actually very beautiful. What I do is um, I connect with these animals to, to give the animal wisdom message for each show. And I ask the animal what they would like to share. And um, because I think it's nice to invite another guest on the show, basically, and they can talk about whatever they want. So this is what Pan said. Pan wanted to talk about self-care. And Pan lives in New Jersey. Uh, New no, Hampshire. no, New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, sorry, New Hampshire, with Sandra Herrick. And Sandra Herrick, that you, who you just uh, heard in the background, um, she's my guest today on the show, and um, she will be sharing lots and lots of very interesting things in a moment. So first, we hear from Pan. So Pan wanted to share about self-care, and he lives in New Hampshire. So self-care. When we take care of ourselves, we don't need healing, as we are whole. Every day, we have the possibility to make our soul smile and raise our vibration by taking care of ourselves. And the best self-care is love. When we love who we are, we can love everything around us too. Thank you so much, Pat. This was, when I received this message today, I really, I really had to think about this one because he was very particular about how he wanted to phrase this and what he wanted to say. So I had to really make sure that I, you know, chose the right words and the right kind of sentences. Um, but I would like to introduce Sandra Herrick, who's been waiting to uh, say hello. Sandra Herrick is a um, animal, an ordained minister, an animal communicator and he communicator and healer, and she also lives with Pan in New Hampshire <laughs> and with lots of other people, uh, not people, animals. Uh, welcome, Sandra. It's so nice to have you in the show. Hello, hello, hello Miriam. This is a this is exquisite to be talking across the pond. <laughs> and yes, I am. I'm in New Hampshire, and I want to give a little background to the beauty of what you're describing in Pan because this is the first time I've heard your message. We wanted to wait until we got on the program so that I could hear it as cleanly as the, and it's going to make me cry because who you experienced, how he communicated with you because he's the elder of all the animals here at Unicorn Fields which is a small rescue farm, a petting farm, that has an assortment of animals, peacocks, doves, geese, sheep, goats, donkeys, miniature horses, alpacas, um, did I say, uh, cats, and, and he has that soul that sits calmly and oversees everything and 
he has, let me make really, the tears are coming. He has witnessed these beings that are being rescued coming in and living with us. And he's been here the longest, um, other than my horses who have already passed away and whatnot. He has witnessed all these animals that have been brought from the panic of a situation into the security that they had to adjust to or experience to even consider was an option to be present in. And he has that gift of reassurance of the very love that you're speaking about, because I will give you a little detail. May I, may I go on about him? Sure, sure. How we got him was that my husband, Bobby Hall, um, is, is the Pied Piper. Always has been since he's a child. And so we live on this beautiful small property here. And he heard about Pan, who was named almost dead when he was born because his mother died and therefore he was an orphan. And he was bottle fed in the home of this man that I swear to God is a genie. He looks just like him. I mean, bald head, exotic outfits and whatnot. And he has a flock of these Jacob sheep. And Pan now had become old enough to be integrated into the herd, into the flock, and they did not take to him. They did not incorporate him. They did not embrace him as a equal because he did have the imprint of his humanness. He was associated with the human. So Bobby heard about it and we went to pick him up and because the option was he would kill him. He was going mm -hmm. to slaughter him mm -hmm. because if he doesn't go into the herd, there was no reason to keep him. Yeah. So we brought Pan home and here comes that heart. We needed Pan mm -hmm. yeah. as much as Pan needed. And I say that in the way that you're describing his message because so many people come here and he offers that attention of love to anybody from the age of birth to the elder in acknowledging them, coming up to them, um, reassuring them that they're welcomed into this bizarre assortment from peacocks and you know all this other stuff. And, and what I think is so beautiful is that we've had him now for hmm, maybe 11, 12 years. Out of all the animals that have come here, live here, pass away here, he has been the grace to guide them from feeling insecure to feeling that love, mm -hmm. to having them establish a dignity and their, not a pecking order, a belonging mm -hmm. within this community. And the beauty of knowing they're loved when they're passing away. Mm -hmm. It's really quite elegant. And it's so, isn't it what all people want? To be loved and to love. Yes, of course. And to belong, yes. you know, to really belong somewhere and know that somebody's watching you with that heart. That's not judging you, but mm -hmm. holding you accountable for your interactions in the, in the, in the field. <laughs> 
I always think that, um, you know, when I, when people ask me, how can I, how can, how can they uh, communicate with their animals? You know, is it easy to learn animal communication? And I always, you know, I believe you have to just listen. You know, this is something yes. that we all know how to do basically, but we've forgotten because we put like these, um, these walls around us because there's so much, uh, going on, you know, like media, um, we're just bombarded with information and, and, you know, messages and everything. And so we turn off our senses and this is like sort of the first step to, to connecting and communicating is, is turning on the senses. And this is what I felt with Pan as well, that this is also one of his, um, jobs to kind of turn on the senses to sensitize people or me or you know by this this inspirational uh, message and by this love it's so beautiful because you're absolutely spot on in that i agree with you completely we have been feral as human beings from the beginning of time and needed to learn how to, or still need to learn how to socialize with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over time when we became suburbanized and kept stretching away or, you know, losing touch with nature as someone who belongs to nature and is not seen as a hierarchy to nature, but within the consciousness and realm of nature, then we hear yes. in the spectrum of the octaves of what nature and the frequency of nature mm -hmm. and the um, heartbeat of another animal. Mm -hmm. So, so we have become so, so um, almost sophisticated in being a human mm -hmm. <laughs> that we have turned off those antennas. Yes. Because we're not in the survival of finding food anymore mm -hmm. and and so or we're not in survival of having to protect ourselves from animals anymore or socialize with them you know we we have separated ourselves from nature in a way that it comes to us and we have to buy it rather than we're in it and survive it <laughs> so is this basically or this is, is this part of what you do when you do your soul awakening sessions? Um, you, you offer them for animals and for humans. Well, well, how I started out is, um, 40 something years ago. Now, um, I started learning the desire of, I had been intuitive all my life. I saw ghosts, I saw images. Mm -hmm. I grew up with being scared to death in the middle of the night and told, oh, you're just dreaming. It's your imagination. And yet in my early 20s, I started going to meditation and psychic groups. Um, I went to classes on intuition development and it was really the pioneering of mm -hmm. the new age because we're talking in the early 1970s mm -hmm. and, and so here, here is that beautiful opportunity to a 23 year old that sits in a group of people that if anybody was psychic back then, they were an elder. 
You know, they, they were somebody from the old country or somebody that got it from the great, great grandmother, or, you know, it came over from uh, the other, you know, from, from Europe. And, and so it's really astounding to see that the soul sessions developed because the way that my intuition, the way that my right brain works is really, yes, I'm psychic, but I'm psychic for your heart. I'm psychic for your soul. I'm not psychic for the vanity of mm -hmm. someone's identity or ego. And as you know, those are different, very qualifiable places that are honored and respected. And myself, it's like, help, I'm in trouble. What the heck? You know, give me some information. I'm blind. And, um, the way I got developed was that I was more intrigued with what's happening with your karma. Mm -hmm. Why are you who you are? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're really thriving with rather than blinded to? What, how do you become accountable to your spirituality? So when I work with individuals, it really is a process of breaking down the barriers that have you separated from yourself and healing the wounds that have been so collected throughout time that we're still trying to figure out why was I hurt? How do I stop hurting? How do I, how, just like Pan says, how do I love myself enough mm. to trust to come out and be who I am? Mm -hmm. You know, so many people don't want to be who they are until they're loved. And then they don't know who they are. That's being loved. Mm. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword of, well, I'm not going to be me until somebody loves me, you know, and then, then, but then you're obliged to be who they think they fell in love with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is true. So you can't be you. Exactly. <laughs> and then, and then the rest of the relationship is be what I want you to be rather than be who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so that's the work that I really do with people. It's soulful. I do many, many readings with people in that way of when someone has a reading with me, it's to see what, what's going on. How is it going on? And then we do the work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, you do an assessment in a way to start, you know, exactly. You look at the, soul, you look at the karma and then, um, and the problems, I suppose, when somebody comes with something that worries them or something that the they chaos, the, yeah, chaos. the yeah. chaos, the chaos. Yes. And, and when I work with animals, it's the same thing, because okay. the reading, the reading in, you know, the reading that you gave is so beautiful. And I do those readings. And then when people call me, it's like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, what's 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 happening here? Why aren't they socializing or why can't they get along? Why are they shy? Why are they hurt? Why? What's their crisis? What happened to them? Because so many people receive animals that belong to other histories before we get them. Right. Okay. And would you, would you describe that as karma as well? If it's in this. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So okay. You know, what's, how, what, what, every, so karma for me is yes past lives. And then the crisis is, especially with horses, hardly anybody has a horse that got born on the hay that is theirs. 
and I'm lucky enough to have had one. And I've had other horses, but you know, one was really born on the hay, so we imprinted. And that that love is different than the love of a horse that is brought to you. And you know, and so many animals have such histories. Maybe not puppies, unless they come from a puppy farm, mm. you know, or a rescue. Our love is to have them, and our love wants them to love us. Mm-hmm. When we receive an animal, I mean, it does it. I tear up. We want to be adored by our animals. We want to adore them. Mm. We want that type of love that is so intimate that we don't normally get with people. You know, yeah. so many people say, and you know it, I love my animals more than I can mm. love my people because they're there for us. Do you want to say anything about that? I'm thinking about this. You know, it's. Um... Yes, it's true. And um, I have felt that. And I was just thinking, why is this? You know, why is it easier for us to connect to an animal? I mean, in a way, I know because when I connect to an animal, there is no hidden meaning, there's no exactly. hidden agenda. Um, exactly. My horse and my dog and our cats. Yes. Um, they show exactly what they like and what they don't like. Sometimes it doesn't uh, coincide with what I want to do. So then we have a little conflict of interests in a way. Um, but yes, you know, you're true. I want, to, I want to love the animals and I would like the animals to love me too. Absolutely. Um, I still want them to have the freedom of choice in a way you know absolutely if they if they love or like the situation or if they don't um and that's very sophisticated because not everybody has that support for an animal's independence it's sometimes um you know when when i when i got i got my horse and uh, when i was in denmark my horse was untrained you know, he was raw, he was wild. And uh, I was given this horse for free because the owner, the previous owner, she couldn't train him. And she decided she was pregnant and it was too expensive. And she just wanted, she, she had tried to, to, to teach him things for two years. And what he had learned was how to get out of being trained. Exactly. And um, so you know, our yeah, for four years we were very close because we were living together as well. We we're on the same farm, and and now having come back to Germany, we're like ten minutes apart. You know, but for me that was kind of it was also important to to let him have this this sort of freedom in a way. He's in a herd. He likes the herd. You know, he loves interacting with the other horses, and sometimes. He has actually shown me in the summer, in the summer they go out 24 hours a day. So they're out all the time. And I would take him back. The, the field is huge. And uh, I was still kind of with him and, you know, giving him a little Reiki healing. And he sort of, he was showing me that he wanted me to leave. You know, he was like looking at the gate and he was always like, you know, he kept looking. I was like, okay. You want to be with your horse friends. So 
I understand this wanting to be really, really close with your animals, but I also understand that sometimes animals, they need to have their own life as well. Absolutely. It's so well said. And again, because horses and cats uh, and dogs, dogs are man's best friend. You know, they, they depend on a person. Cats are independent unless they want you to pet them. <laughs> and horses are a herd species. It's we who take them away from their natural environment. Yeah. And so it is brilliant to see that when people want to have a horse and dominate them, which in the great society of competition and whatnot, and I've been with the Olympians, you know, I work with the Olympians here in America, and to see that they buy a horse for its ability to compete, horses are extremely competitive when they have that persona and personality. And, but not all horses want to compete at the level yeah. of a champion. Some of them want to be the horse in the backyard or the horse in the herd. And it is important for a communicator to be able to inform the beloved or the owner that this horse isn't saying no to you. Mm -hmm. It wants to say yes to itself. Mm -hmm. And here you know, let's have a dialogue of what we can do. Now, the horse that became the greatest teacher to me about that was Razzle. And she was a two-year-old across the stall, the stable from where Silver was born. And I used to sit on the hay and hold Silver. And my horse had just passed away. And so here, the great, great medicine happened before Silver came to me. We'll do another show. But had a dream about him and he materialized literally the night that I had the dream he was born and so I'm I'm in the stall thinking well it's going to be a long time before I get to ride this horse <laughs> <laughs> and across the, the stable stall is uh the aisle there is Razzle looking at me and I'm looking at her fondly saying oh I hope you find a good mommy oh I hope you find a good home and I'm petting silver he's sound asleep and Razzle would be looking at me like don't you hear what I'm saying to you? Oh, I'm looking at you, Ma. Oh, no, I hope you find a good life. And lo and behold, the day that uh, the uh, breeder, Priscilla, was standing on a fence with a couple of guys looking at Razzle, run around the arena. <laughs> I come up to what you doing? She goes, honey, I think Razzle's your horse, but you haven't said anything. And I got to sell her, so these guys are looking. In that moment, mm -hmm. in that moment, you know, it's amazing how that moment has to happen. I get the goosebumps even saying it to you and the, 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 the overwhelming love in my heart to know that I said, wait, give me 24 hours and I'll get back to you. And within 24 hours, I came back and said, I'm going to buy Razzle on the full moon of August, 1988. She, I always called my Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And silver was my Lincoln Continental. <laughs> and in the beauty of Razzle, she told me point blank, physically, emotionally, and mentally, that I had to learn who she was rather than try to teach her what I wanted her to be. 
And she did that by letting me know that if I had the wrong saddle on, I was off it. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't know what to do with her mouth, she would run. And I would cry with how, why would I, so green a rider, be with such a green horse? And I felt I didn't have the right to be some, with something so beautiful. And it's amazing how my vanity and my sadness that the one horse that passed away, Velvet, there was an ease and a challenge. But there wasn't a defiance. With silver, it was, I can hardly wait for you to get on and we're just going to ride off mm-hmm. into the sunset. Mm-hmm. With Razzle, it was, do not control me. Merge with me. Mm-hmm. And how we merged, Linda Tellington Jones, who's a great horse animal person. Um, there were great trainers that came to be with her. And I would watch them ride her with such ease and tell me how lovely she is. And I'd get on and like bounce, bounce, bump, bump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, one day I said, okay, let's do it. And I got on bareback with just a lariat around her neck. Mm-hmm. No bridle, no bit, no saddle. I said, Razzle, if we can't ride, I've got to give you away. And I don't want to. I need to learn how to ride you, not learn how to ride. You know what happens when you take horseback riding lessons, heels down, right, straighten right. your back, let it up, right, go. And I thought, I knew how to ride until I took my first horseback riding lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I started taking lessons, I was insulted. I felt inferior. I thought, who, what? And so Razzle brought me back to, Get on my back and let's ride. Mm -hmm. And we Velcroed, Velcroed, because she wanted me to come into the karma of who we were so we could go into the Dharma of who we were. So I've talked a lot, but there, (laughs) and boy, and you know, 24 years later, the greatest spirit in the world. Did you, at that point, when when you had her, did you use animal communication uh, consciously or was it, at, at, I mean, how did you start the animal communication? Was that something that developed slowly in your life or? Um, I started communicating with animals in 84, 85, 84, somewhere in there. And what happened was, no, no, not have to say when Razzle, uh, somewhere, be, excuse me, but somewhere in the 80s, late 80s. So around 87 to 88. And what happened was I was taking care of a, whore, a herd of, of 10 horses out in New Mexico. And they started bringing me into the herd like one of them. I was working with people already for 20 some odd years, you know, 10 years, but almost 18 years. And the beauty happened when I was listening from that place of watching the herd move together, watching if when I went in to get a horse, if they walked away from me or walked toward me, listening to the herd as it started to let me know how they existed rather than me insisting they exist for me and Mm -hmm. the people that came there. 
And the greatest lesson of the communication was literally because we had an orphan quarter horse who was bottle fed. Mm -hmm. So he was completely imprinted, humanized. He wasn't socialized as a horse. He was socialized as a human. Mm -hmm. And they gave this quarter horse to a 10-year-old boy as a here. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. So, you know, because they came in, they lived on this property. It was kind of a community. And the 10-year-old boy wanted a horse in here, have red. Well, the 10-year-old boy, of course, wanted a horse that he could control. And the horse was like, I want to nibble on you. I want to run mm -hmm. with you. I want to, yeah. And so heartbreakingly enough, the horse started getting hit or punched or yanked on or, you know, and to, to watch the anger of the little boy be unfortunately thrashed out on the horse and right. be going, what on earth? And so the, the communication was just breaking out in the late 80s. It was mm -hmm. just really kind of happening. And so Priscilla Hoback, God bless her soul, came and she took Red. And I sat there in front of her as she talked to this horse and this horse talked to her. But she didn't just ask the horse what was going on. Right. She was able to see the energy of the horse, the soul of the horse, and that the horse was like, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Why is everybody hitting me? What, you know, I, he was so confused at his behavior affecting people that he escalated in his behavior of protecting himself from people, mm -hmm. which is acting out. And when she brought his horse consciousness into him mm -hmm. and his I changed and he looked at us as a horse rather than a orphan child. I wept. I just wept really. I was abusing him also by not seeing him. And I thought in that one second or felt or he gave me permission and invited me, come talk to animals like you talk to people. Right. It's the same spirit because it's love. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is really beautiful. And so I did. He invited me through his heartache and my heartache. I, I am, I just, I mean, my heart broke. Yeah. Therefore, I could do this energy work. So because there's we, that gift. So you didn't have the wall around your heart anymore. The, I don't know the, if it was a wall other than a lack of consciousness, right? A, a, okay. a lack of knowing, you know, um, he, he opened the door to the mm -hmm. awareness because my heart was open to them, but my intuition mm -hmm. had to be softened by being with the herd so that I could see that I was still a human with them as they were inviting me in to be a being with them and mm -hmm. his story and Priscilla cracked my psyche cracked that uh, turned the dial to the frequency right turned right. the dial yeah. to the channel yeah and all of a sudden I was hearing you know it's like the breakdown of communication was like oh it wasn't static anymore and it wasn't yeah. even well, you know why should I listen to French if I can't understand it yeah 
And I wasn't listening to horse. I was listening to heart. And you said it so beautifully with Pan. So that's how that happened. So when you, when you communicate with the animals, um, what is, I mean, do you have, do you get a lot of sort of requests, you know, what does my, my animal want? What do they like or something like that? Or is it more like a coaching between a human and an animal that, is it like a dialogue? This is, I'm, I'm, I hope it's not too confusing, this question. It's like, no, no, not at all. It's a beautiful okay. question. Okay. I think you made a very clear um, distinction between um, do I coach someone to be with somebody or do I bring the love to have the empathicness of what they need to hear so that they don't have the breakdown of the love. And so when animals come to me, you know, I do a lot of animals right here in my office when they're, they're dogs or whatnot, bring them here and they come in. And what I'm so astounded always with is that if I've got a hyper animal, it's like in the person like choke, choke, pull, pull, tug, tug, or what's going on. As soon as the animal knows that we're available to communicate, they settle down. And they most all like come over to kind of look me right in the eye. Mm. And then by the time the session's over, they're almost sound asleep because they're put into that safe spot where they don't have to go through the anxiety that they don't understand or that there's something that nothing's exactly. Yeah. And it is an anxiety. You know, I have lived in Europe long enough to know that as a, an American, we were not educated to have many languages. When I went to Europe, I'm astounded how many language are offered to you in the beginning of your education so that you can communicate on many levels with different individuals. I was horrified as an American to come there and think we are denied the right to know how to talk to other individuals and that we have to choose to do that. So I was quiet for a long time, listening to the song. And one of the greatest sources of information that I was given by a wonderful French, um, a Swiss man, actually, he said, well, in America, you speak, the door needs to be shut. Close it, please. Maybe, please. In French, oh, there's a slight breeze coming through the open <laughs> door. <laughs> And it's moving the flowers as it goes through. Maybe it would be a better thought if the door were closed and how gently we would close it so that we're more comfortable in the room. And then everybody goes, oh, the door needs to be closed. <laughs> <laughs> But this is actually a beautiful picture um, to the differences that you sometimes receive or the different messages or the different kind of... Um, you know, language, basically, uh, yes. different animals, because I found that animals have their own way to communicate. Um, Absolutely. Sometimes they can be like a little, you know, 15-year-old street kid, and exactly. that's how they communicate. And sometimes yeah. they can be very sophisticated <laughs> and yeah. very sort of like a professor. Um, yes. And I always... It's, it's interesting for me when I get, receive the messages and also sometimes I'm, I'm surprised and sometimes I think, is this really, you know, what they want me to, to sort of 
translate into human words. And uh, do you find that as well? That, that Absolutely. Absolutely, because horse talks horse. They have a very different sight. They have a different eye. They see from the side of the head. They don't see from direct. Um, talking with a cat, they each each species, just like us, have a dialect. They have a right. perception of the world according to the way they fit in the world. And so it's our job, if we're going to socialize with them, to not always expect them to come up to who we want them to be so that they can figure us out. We need to be able to align ourselves with, well, first of all, if it's a cat, is it a cat that's feral or is it a domestic cat? Um, a feral cat's going to have a very different perspective as it socializes and adjusts than a cat that's born on a lap and the food is always there and all it mm -hmm. has to do is look at you, you know, or a German shepherd, which has a very different mindset mm -hmm. and agenda and a, a, a life purpose. They're bred for that life purpose, their mm -hmm. bodies that life. Then uh, a Shih Tzu, that's just like, you're going to pick me up and take me everywhere, right? <laughs> My feet will never touch the ground. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Do you find that, um, I mean, do you connect to like wild animals as well sometimes that when you I do. Re receive messages? Absolutely. And the reason why is because I've lived out in Montana um, with the wilds and literally this is a spectacular experience that I've had. I moved into this wonderful dream of a, 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 a mini farm that every cowgirl should have the experience of living in. <laughs> I had my two white horses. I had three cats. And um, I'm on this little mini farm out in the mountains of Montana, Bridger Canyon. And the very first night I'm there in this little house on the prairie in the mountains, <laughs> a mountain lion comes to me wow. and the mountain lion literally starts to stalk me in that place of who are you what are you doing what's going on and it shows me that it's going to feed and so it's like that place of i'm wild i'm checking you out and i'm gonna get us food and i see it kill a deer and lay it down on a stream I wake up to the knocking on my door of the owner of the property, who's just there for a few weeks. And I, good morning. He goes, come out. I want to show you something. I said, okay. And we go out and maybe a hundred or so yards, maybe, you know, the houses, he takes me to this little stream that if from the door I can take a look at. There is a deer laying down on the stream and he said the cat is in the area this is a cat strike you can see where it took its its juggler and it laid it there and you know and, he go, and i said well what are we going to do it oh my god i didn't tell him i had the dream but it's like oh my god the first <laughs> night amazing. the mountain lion shows me that it brought food as an offering Okay, he says, well, we'll just leave it and see what happens because sometimes they come back and they come after their kill. Maybe we disturbed it and it ran off. I said, okay, fine. So if you disturb a cat, there's two things you can do. Hope that it ran in that way 
or luck up in a tree and make sure it's not watching you. <laughs> so my second night, the mountain lion comes and it's beautiful. It's golden. And it's so, so it has this love for me already. Like I'm going to feed you. And I, sh and I watch it take the head off. Remember the, the deer and it takes the meat and takes off. Knock on the door in the morning. The owner comes, he goes, come on out here. We go to the stream. There is the head of the deer because they cannot take the body up into a tree with the antlers. Right. Okay. Okay. That's why they take it off. That's why they take it off. Unless they drag it off to a place where it's safe for them to uh, eat or yeah. they take it up into the tree where they can feed on it at, at its leisure. But they don't have to, they don't have to worry about coyote or bear because a bear will go after a deer also if it's down. So that cat lived around me for four years. Mm -hmm. I saw it. People saw it. Um, I could hear it. And the way that I communicated with it was always in that space that I'm here. Please protect me. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Please protect my horses. I'm here. And one night, literally on a snowy, snowy night, I walked out to my horses to feed them. And I could hear it just over there. I thought, I'm in trouble now because if I run back to the house mm. and I thought, I'm going to go feed my horses and if I'm going to die, they'll be fed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the snow had stopped while I was feeding. And interestingly enough, what happened, and it's so beautiful to say this, the tracks the next morning of the lion were right next to me. Wow. It had walked the same course before, during, or after. So I thought, it's talking to me in a way that's feral, mm -hmm. not human, just saying, I'm here for you. And my totem is lion. I've got a panther on my back, my tattoos. Okay. <laughs> so yes, being in the wild is being with something that is so aware of itself. Mm -hmm. Not all animals that belong to people are aware of itself because we need to help it to remember that it's an animal. It's not, it, we don't want to always over peopleize it mm -hmm. or give it our anxieties to carry. I think one of the great things that you must know as well is when people over identify with an animal, mm -hmm. they deny the animal the right to be who they are. Yeah, and with it comes a lot of anxiety exactly. and guilt from yes. the human. And I've had many communications where there was this question, am I doing everything right? And Exactly. You know, my experience is that, that animals, they want to be with us. They choose to, to, to be with us. Um, sometimes they don't choose, but they choose as a you know, something that they want to do, you know, sometimes they're being born into, into, you know, captivity. Um, but I, I often feel they want to be with us and they want to, to also help us and, and support us on our, on our journey. They Absolutely. Yeah. They don't Go want ahead. to. You know? <laughs> um, 
animals don't they don't have a sense of the guilt or the shame that we sometimes feel because we feel that we're not doing something you know nice enough or good enough or we're not good enough for the animals and uh, i've never had an animal express that they were guilty about something they don't have that sort of emotion in my experience right i i people will hear me belch it's not breakfast i haven't eaten when soul and spirit collide inside me with energy and uh, validation of something i have a belch it's something that started way back when because that's part of my body takes energy in and if i don't let it express itself it's in me and it's very painful so my body figured oh i validate through uh offering uh, an escape of air and but that's beautiful belching. that's beautiful. yeah so you know <laughs> when you're on the right track. yeah i don't have to oh there there <laughs> there's your cat oh that's hysterical as it walks right on by so yes and I, I I have unfortunately though have felt the anxiety of an animal where it can't figure out what the person wants of them. Right. And then they get anxious or they feel some shame in am I not what you want? Yeah. And in those situations with horses, I'm very clear, you need to let this horse go be what it is to somebody else rather right. than confine it and shame it because a horse will go back to the corner of its stall yeah. and you know because it's not allowed or seen it's always shunned or made wrong people talk negatively about their horses all the time well it can't do or it can't do or it won't do we you know it's a very different world it's a very so yeah they for me i've had to offer the dignity back to a horse when it knows that I'm better in the field than I am as a rate horse, as a racehorse. You know, thoroughbreds get to go through that all the time where mm. they're either, you know, they're given a couple of times to run and then they're out there and then people make hunter jumpers out of them. And I mean, I just, I just had a horse that um, a year ago, I worked with this horse with this woman, a lovely woman, got this beautiful thoroughbred and wanted the horse to become her dream of an incomplete dream she had as a child because her father shot her horse in front of her. Oh my God, that is terrible. As shocking as you can feel, she carries that wound. Yeah. So she has this beautiful horse and the horse, the very first time it talked to me, said, I want to run. I want to run. Just give me the place I want to run. I want to run. I want to run. I run. And so, but there was never a place for it to really run in the confines of the way that she had a, a cursed little farm. It was too confined. Mm. He had a he had a little containment compared to how a thoroughbred needs to be able to run. And so eventually, and she was training it to be something that satisfied her horror of losing a horse yeah. so that she and this horse could continue to be the dream cut story to the chase she got wounded one day walking the horse in a pony kicked in the face i mean almost died oh my god oh I, I, it's a big story it's a it's, it's a sad story and a lovely story and her horse kept wanting her to know i don't belong here 
So I would go and it's like he would kick out and he would act. And she started to accuse it of being dangerous Mm -hmm. because he was acting in a dangerous way. Let me go. Set me free. He had more energy than there was allowed to have. So he was being banished, labeled as dangerous. And she came to the day that she said, Sandy, I'm going to put the horse down tonight. Or, you know, and the vet can't come. What am I supposed to do? And I said, give me, there I am, 24 hours. I said, give me 24 hours. I called a woman that I know, Christina Majors, down here in uh, Dusty Dog Farms and said, there's this thoroughbred and they're going to put it down. Please go get it. She went and got it. Mm -hmm. She and her companion, her friend, uh, business partner, the horse was wild. Like, and in its wildness, what it showed the owner was, I am dangerous if I stay here. Mm. And I'm dying if I stay here. And that's that heartache of where a horse tells the truth. And it's not listened to, it's not heard. It's, it's, it's miscommunicated. Yeah. So the shame is I can't be what I'm supposed to be. And then the woman feels I can't make you what you're supposed to be. And there's both failure. Mm. But to have it be the death sentence yeah. is you, you got to pay attention. Mm. So it took an hour for these two young, vital, strong horsewomen to get this horse into the trailer and pull and this and finally get in. And she brought out the papers and said, take this horse. He's just yours for free. Take it. Mm. The very first thing that this horse did when it was let out of the trailer was into almost a mile of property and it ran and ran (laughs) and ran and ran and ran for the whole night it just ran and they said it'll 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 figure itself out we're just going to let it run Mm -hmm. until it dropped its head ate drank so what's the moral of the story is was that horse in our first communication showing me its destiny of when it would really run mm-hmm. in the in the care of someone else. And it was also saying, if I can't run, I can't live. Mm-hmm. So we don't always have all the information, but when the information is poignantly on time, it's like, let's get this horse to where it can be respected for what it is rather than feared for what it is and out of the respect that horse now is in the arena Mm. is a school horse and has (laughs) been bought by someone and this is almost an 18 hand high horse right who has the dignity of it can socialize it's not alone it was Mm. alone it can run with the herd it belongs. It's not isolated. Mm. It's, it's given someone who wants to take it in a direction that has a longevity of another destiny, that it's its destiny. And we have to honor the woman who cared for it. 
lovingly. Yeah. Yeah. Until it was ready to say, I have to go someplace else. I have to go someplace else. So, and there was shame in that. There was, there was sorrow in that. There was heartbreak in that. And the good news is the horse now is madly loved. And the sad news is the woman who couldn't manage the horse is still grieving. Mm. But she now needs to be able to see that her destiny was not having the horse, Mm. providing the horse. And that's a big story to let something go so it can be. And, and that horse is in such gratitude. And you know, when you were telling me the story, I was thinking it reminds me of marriages. It's, you know, exactly. like one, one person can be violent in one marriage, but it doesn't mean that in another marriage, in another match, they will be the same person or the, the nicest person can be, a bitch in the next in the next sort of union so um what what i felt today was that there's really no difference between um when we look at humans and when we're looking at the connection between humans and animals or the you know the problems or the helping with the with the soul sessions i felt like it doesn't matter we don't actually need to make that distinction between you know between who are we talking about animals or humans it is it is like it's very much the same and it it felt like it was the same you know um and i i think this is this is something that i'm i'm getting more and more clear on is that yes we are all one we're all connected and it doesn't matter how i look um do I look like my dog? No, but we can still be friends and live together. So um... that's exactly what happened when Red, the name of the horse, and Priscilla entered my psyche and let me know there's no difference between people and right. animals when we're talking about our souls, yeah. when we're talking about our spirits, when we're talking about that place of exactly such a beautiful analogy in marriage. It's like, because so many people who have that relationship with why can't they be nice? Why couldn't they be nice in that way to me? How come mm-hmm. they're being that now to somebody else? Because the energy, the chemistry, the alchemy, the karma, the um, history, and the the the, um, the consciousness of the collaboration is different. Yeah. You know what? I feel like I could go on talking to you forever. <laughs> and you have such a calm way to explain these things and tell these stories. So it was lovely listening to you. And, Thank you. Uh, what I would like to, what I, I usually do is I, I end this sort of little podcast radio show uh, with a little meditation. So I don't know if you want to join or if you want to do a little meditation with us. Um, I will do that. That would be absolutely lovely. What I need to do beforehand <laughs> is uh, kind of make it clear that, you know, we're kind of wrapping up on the radio show that people can listen to this and then turn it off if they're driving or if they're doing something where they shouldn't be um, listening to the meditation or or 
joining into the meditation. So what I would like to do is thank you so much for coming on the show. It was <laughs> lovely. And thank there's going to be another lovely part coming now. But this was really, really nice. And um, it was very inspirational for me um, to listen to you, to listen to your stories and also get um, an understanding I'm not alone. These experiences, oh. you know, with the animals, connecting with the animals, it's a more, it's a universal um, experience. Yes. yes. And maybe when you're ready, when we're ready, um, these animals show up for you. These connections will show up for you. And like you described that um, with the animal communication, it was an offering, something clicked and yes. you took it on. Yes. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I felt. So I'm thanking you. I'm thanking Pan. Pan was, was the star. <laughs> he was, that was so lovely. Um, how can, this is Pan. Okay, so we're going on to how can we find you? How can people find you if they wanted to work with you? Um, yeah. Well, I work with people all over the world, mm -hmm. and obviously uh, uh, through phone, through Skype, through all those medias, blah, blah, blah. But how you find me is go to sandraherrick.com, mm -hmm. S-A-N-D-R-A-H-A-R-R-I-C-K.com. You can also Google me, and things will come up. Um, I'm on YouTube for videos that I've done with horses and mm -hmm. interviews and whatnot. And so I thank you for exposing me to another realm of connection and the possibility to continue that connection. And to say it simply, if anybody feels that they are touched by something, please feel brave enough to know something truly touched you. Mm. it's not a oh gee maybe it's a holy cow there it is <laughs> that is beautiful so what we're going to do is we're going to use this as a sort of end point for the talking bit so okay. um this is now thank you very much for the uh, for the lovely interview thank and you. if anybody is listening now and driving please turn off the, uh, the, the radio, the, the podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to have a short little meditation, so maybe five minutes, I would say, um, where we can kind of go into, maybe just connect with what we've been talking about, what we've been sort of experiencing. And um, yeah, enjoy that. So um, <laughs> you're looking at the watch. <laughs> No, they're like the message came up and who is that? What is that? <laughs> okay, so um, yes, we're going into the meditation. If you're driving or you know doing something with heavy machinery, do not listen to this. So, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you for being the quality of individual that you are in the incredible depth of heart that your work is touching people but directing you to make that connection. I'm very moved. Deeply, I bow to you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So are we ready for a little meditation? We are. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to join you. So I'm going to come um, do it with you. 
Okay. You want to you want to take interact you want to interact with each other or do you want me to just do the whole thing? Yeah, just do the whole thing. You got it. Okay, 1 2 3. Here we go. Everybody take a deep and gentle soft breath. Closing your eyes or having them open whichever feels more comfortable to you. And find a rhythm. Allow yourself to exhale the day. Exhale anything that's in the way of your breath. As you inhale the next. Always allowing your breath to expand. And be appreciative of a breath as it finds you and leaves you, finds you, and breathes. Know that in the act of breathing, there is intelligence. So as you breathe, you are bringing in the essence, the energy, and the total experience of the sum of everything that has been exhaled by everything in our world. It's filled with vibration, wisdom, knowledge, history. And again, inhale. Let your body settle. Let your mind see what you're looking at, feeling, questioning, and just let it be. And breathe. It, it is in the quiet rhythm of the breath that the intelligence of all things comes and activates in the natural awareness of consciousness. So as you're breathing, allow the energy to expand. Feel your skin. Feel the temperature, the texture of your clothes, your environment. Become responsible to the awareness of where you are and how it affects you. When we feel safe, we expand and breathe. And now I would like you to invite the animal kingdom, whether it's an animal that you know personally or the consciousness of the animal kingdom. Which animal comes to you? What are you aware of? What do you desire to connect with? Your totem. And allow that mind that justifies or qualifies, just allow it to be here and see what it brings to you in the mind of the spirit 
and the soul. Marion's animals having a reaction. <laughs> if it's a beloved, ask it to come and be with you. If it's a totem, ask the guidance of it to sit and connect. Thank you. <laughs> A call of the wild. Always, first and foremost, appreciate the animal for coming. Thank it. And thank yourself for being available to sit in the shifts and the swirls of energy required for the communication to find each other. Knowing that the animal is asking to trust you as deeply as you are asking to trust the animal. The first and most important thing to do when you are communicating is to breathe in, inhale the fragrance of the animal, bring in its scent. Blow your scent into the animal. All animals associate through sense of scent. I'm starting to belch, so we're working. Smelling the scent of an animal intuitively calibrates the intelligence and the ability to touch that animal. Dog, cat, bird, creature, human. The next thing that I ask you to do is allow it to inhale you, to smell around you. Let it come, just like any animal would, sniff you, scent you. Trust you. See who you are. Track yourself. And tracking is a very significant way to literally be with an animal, just as if you were in the wild. Track your experience. What's happening to you? And now pause. It is in the pause that respect happens. No agenda, no need. Be. Be in the gratitude of the connection. Let your heart feel the warmth of the other being that you are with. The first question I ask any and all animals is a simple permission 
May I come to you. May I speak with you. Are you available to speak to me? This will bring a calm to you and the animal so that the anxiety or the difficulty of wonder releases and it will bring a warmth to the mind. So feel this, track it. The second thing I always let the animal know is my name and hear their name. I am Sandy. And let the animal tell you their name. Sometimes an animal has a name that is different than the one they're given. So ask. The third is why I am here. I'm here to meet you. I am here to meet you. And in this meditation, I'm going to be quiet for a little while so that you can just be in the conversation of what happens in the meeting. So take time, be quiet, and enjoy. because we need to wrap up the time, know that you can come to this meditation anytime you would like and come to this point where we are pausing right now and continue it. And when you come out again, be in gratitude, take notes, and be so grateful that you have done exactly what is available. Connect heart to heart, soul to soul. Thank you so much for being here. Open your eyes when you're ready and thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>